Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on DuckStream. I am your host, Alexis Downey from the Paul Korea studio. We are halfway through the week and over halfway through the Ducks road trip. Just two games left with the Boston Bruins on Thursday night and the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. Now it's been a rough trip so far. The team has dropped all three of the games between the Islanders, Rangers, and then the New Jersey Devils last night, 4-2. to two. But they did get out to a very strong start in the first period. Jacob Silverberg scoring early to give the Ducks the lead before following up with a second goal for himself. Maybe the most cohesive period that we've seen from the Ducks to this point, giving them that 2-0 to zero lead. And speaking of that second goal that Silverberg had, I really liked the net front presence that the Ducks were showing early, helping them to get that goal. Now, the second period is where things really went downhill. Isaac Lundestrom got clipped in open ice play from Brendan Smith. That resulted in a bit of a scuttle with Max Comtois, who stepped in, but that did result in a penalty, and really just the rest of the game was not in the Ducks' favor. New Jersey putting a lot of pucks on net. Now, after watching the game, here are my thoughts in AD's takeaways. The Ducks have been outshot in every game that they have played so far. Now, goaltending, on the other hand, has been keeping the team in these games. Anthony Stolar is playing well in the net last night in New Jersey native, so a homecoming of sorts for him, despite what he was dealt with, stopping 37 of 41 shots. Now, I also liked what I saw from the penalty kill last night. The Devils were not able to find a way to score on the power play. That's been an area I've talked about previously that the Ducks have struggled with so far this season. So good to see a game where they did not allow any power play goals. Another takeaway, I just felt like the team didn't look energized. Once things started to go downhill, we just haven't seen the fight from them that we saw in the first game against Seattle, and that really has made a difference, especially on the road. You have these long nights in places that you're not necessarily used to playing in. It's on the road, a back-to-back, especially between Monday and Tuesday night. You need to find a way to stay energized, to stay in the game, and we just didn't see that last night. And while the team couldn't be happy with the result, it was pretty cool to see Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegers facing off against each other. Two very good friends from their playing days back at USA Hockey's National Team Development Program. That's always a great story and certainly maybe one of the bright spots from last night. Now, I will be curious to see the response that the team does have against the Bruins on Thursday night. They will have had this day of rest before heading to Boston. Now, the Bruins are coming off a very tough loss on Tuesday night against the Ottawa Senators. They're getting their day of rest today as well. So both teams having that day of rest before the game on Thursday night could play a factor in this one. The Bruins have looked very tough, especially defensively, maybe not in their game on Tuesday night, but it's going to be a great matchup that I'm going to talk about a little bit more later in the show. And after going through the Ducks game from Tuesday night against the Devils, I want to now introduce a new segment here on Light the Lamp. Coast to Coast will bring you goal calls from around the league and my analysis of other big news from teams in the NHL. 
Beginning with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Vancouver Canucks game on Tuesday night. This was the first win of the season for the Blue Jackets and their new member, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau. They are 1-3 and three on the season so far. Vancouver did have a 2 to nothing lead after the first period, but Columbus fought back and cut the lead in half. Johnny Gaudreau had a late goal in the third period, his second of the season as a Blue Jacket. And you can hear it now in Bob McKelligat's call during the game. Johnny Gaudreau skates out through the neutral zone. Gaudreau into the Vancouver end. Little head fake, comes around behind the net, and he wraps it around the net! Oh, Johnny be good! Johnny Gaudreau ties this game at three! Now, this game went to overtime, and a great play into the zone by the Blue Jackets with a two-on-one resulted in the winner. Listen to it now. Borchek gets the puck, and he nudges it ahead to Chinikov. Going up the ice with Gabrikov. Chinikov passes it across. Gabrikov scores! And I got two words for you. Game over! Now, going back to Monday night, the Detroit Red Wings welcomed the L.A. Kings to town, and Captain Dylan Larkin had an incredible defensive play on a wide-open net with the game tied at four. You can listen to the call now by Ken Cal. Puck slides out to center ice. It bounces over and away from Ronick. And now Arvidsson, oh, coming back. Larkin made a great defensive play. Maybe that'll help the Red Wings. Wow, what a play defensively. Knocked the puck away from Arvidsson. He had the wide open net. The Red Wings are 2-0-1 through their first three games of the year, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Wings. The team that's been trusting in the Steve Eiserman plan the last couple years, it's starting to pay off. They're really looking good in Detroit this year so far. Next on the docket, the Montreal Canadiens facing off against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Monday night. A 2-1 game in the end of the third period. Cole Caulfield had a stellar one-timer, putting it past Casey DeSmith to tie the Canadiens up before they went on to eventually win the game 3-2 in overtime. Listen to the call now from the Canadiens with a credit to TSN 690 AM radio. Six on five here. Suzuki taking the draw against... Carter, I believe, yes, Carter. Suzuki wins that drive, comes back to the point. Here's Drouin, right half wall, in for the score! Cole Caulfield, cross ice feed. What a feed that was by Jonathan Drouin. Caulfield has had three goals and four games so far this season. Last year, he was a bit more quiet than people expected, so maybe this season will be a bit of a breakout for him. Next up, the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Arizona Coyotes, also on Monday night. The Leafs struggled in this one with Arizona leading the majority of the game in the Yotes' 4-2 victory. But John Tavares tallied his 900th career point, assisting William Nylander on his goal in the third period. Listen to the call by Joe Bowen now. Drop pass for Marner. Marner to Matthews. In across the line, Tavares. Drop pass goes to Riley. Far side, Nylander. Back to Riley. Doesn't shoot it. Matthews to Riley. Nylander now a shot. That went off of uh, Valnelka and went wide. The Leafs come up with the loose puck and get it back of the net. Matthews is there. Matthews into the far corner behind the Golden Marner. In front of the net, a shot taken by Riley, but he missed. 
Back to the point again. Matthews back in behind in front of the net for Marner. He couldn't center. Now tries to play it back. Grabbed off by Tavares. Tavares with a shot in traffic. Rebound. Scores! Nylander! Now that's how you do it. Finally, get more pucks to the net and put one in the back of the net to get the Leafs back into this. Now, one of the interesting things that did happen and come out of this game was a controversial call with 37 seconds remaining. The Leafs tied it up on a goal, but the goal was taken away, citing a hand pass by Morgan Riley. Now, I watched the replay, and I was a little bit surprised by this call. I didn't see any specific hand motion from Riley and it really resulted in affecting the end result of the game. Now, you see this happen so often in hockey. A call is made late in the game. A lot of people might not agree with it, and it dictates what is the end result. It's unfortunate, but it is a part of the game and certainly something that everyone kind of learns from. As we've moved through the first week of the regular season, it's really easy to get caught up in the chaos of it. Certain teams performing well while others aren't off to a good start. You almost have to stop and remind yourself that it is so early. We have got many games, 82 game long season, and there is plenty of time for certain teams to turn things around. But obviously it is important to get out to a hot start. A couple teams have done that so far and one specifically that has caught my eye a team that I didn't necessarily think would, the Philadelphia Flyers under new head coach John Tortorella. A 3-0 start so far, and goaltender Carter Hart has been looking very sharp in net, only allowing six goals through the first three games. The Flyers had a bad ending to their season last year, so looking to build off of this new momentum with a new head coach in Torts, It's no secret he is one of the tougher coaches in the NHL, so certainly bringing that to Philadelphia could be good for the team, and it seems to be paying off. Now the Rangers, Artemi Panarin is looking in top form with 10 points through the first four games this season. We saw a lot out of him, especially on Monday's game against the Anaheim Ducks. One goal, three assists for four points. He had a really good Stanley Cup playoff run last year, so it's not necessarily a surprise that he's performing well already, but good for Rangers fans to see. And the last piece of news for today's Coast to Coast segment, Colorado Avalanche captain Gabriel Landeskog will be out 12 weeks after having arthroscopic knee surgery on Tuesday. He had knee surgery last season back in March and missed the end of the regular season, but he did go on to play in the postseason on the Avs run to the Stanley Cup final and eventual Stanley Cup win. The team has showed that they can play without their captain. They've got plenty of leadership up and down their line and a lot of depth. So I don't necessarily see this as a huge concern for the abs. And looking at the rest of this week for the Anaheim Ducks, they will face off against the Boston Bruins for game four of their road trip on Thursday night. That is tomorrow. The Bruins are three and one through the season so far. They're coming off a tough loss to the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday night in a very high scoring affair, but they look very sound so far. 21 goals in four games, an offensive powerhouse for a team that's known for their defense. They are missing some of their key pieces in the lineup, but that hasn't seemed to be a concern for them. 
To take a look at the Boston Bruins, Nesson analyst Andy Brickley jumped on Light the Lamp to break down the team and the depth that's giving them success right now. Hear it in this next segment. Now joining us on Light the Lamp is Boston Bruins analyst on Nesson, Andy Brickley. Andy, thanks for joining us here on DuckStream ahead of the Bruins matchup with the Ducks. Yeah, oh, pleasure. And uh, not too often that our circles, you know, in, intertwine because, uh, you know, it's just a home and home with all the teams in the Western Conference and we only go to California once. So any chance I get to be able to connect with anybody on the West Coast, I welcome that. So thanks for having me. Awesome. And the Bruins have had a strong start to their season, uh, three to one thus far. What's been working so well for the group? Well, uh, I guess the first thing that jumps off uh, the map at you is their ability to score goals. You know, they got, what, 21 goals in the first four games. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the first three that they won, their goal scoring actually uh, outscored their mistakes, which is not a winning formula for the Boston Bruins. And I think they got a realization in that in the loss to the Ottawa Senators 7-5. So that being said, just the fact that they are scoring goals, uh, you know, the guys you expect to be offensive uh, impactful players have certainly done that, but what they've gotten from lines three and four and, and one of the, one of the mantras of the new coach and Jim Montgomery is we need to get more offensive production from our defense. And, and how do we do that? It can come in a variety of ways, but through the first four games, they're also getting contributions on that part of the offensive game. Now, that being said, the Bruins have always prided themselves in being a, a top defensive team, and it's not there yet. To, to steal a word from <laughs> Jim Montgomery after the loss to Ottawa, our checking was atrocious. <laughs> so uh, I expect that to be addressed here in the next, the next coming days and weeks. And you talk about some of the mantras from Jim Montgomery under a new head coach this season with the Bruins after six years with their previous coach. What have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen so far? Well, what the Bruins are looking for is growth in their young players. You know, they're mm -hmm. still committed to some of the draft picks that they've invested time and resources in. And the narrative was that Bruce Cassidy was just too hard on these guys. And if they made mistakes, then their ice time was was not only limited, it almost disappeared. And he relied too much on the established NHL roster. And in today's game, because of the hard cap, you need young players and expensive players, and they need to be impactful players. And the Bruins weren't getting enough of that. And when that wasn't happening, then the communication lines were not where they needed to be. So I think mantra number one is the communication style of Jim Montgomery and how do I get more out of a developing young player? Now, when you look at the Bruins roster, they're still looking at, you know, the, the, the NHL veteran players to be their best players. And that's their core group, but they're also trying to incorporate some young guys. And I think that's, uh, that's what, that's what most of the league tries to do. Some more successful than others. Uh, the Bruins have been hurt by their draft history, uh, particularly the first round in 2015. Uh, you know, but that's an old saga. They need to move on from that. They need to they need to get more. They need a they need a Stunik or a Lauko or, you know, a, a defenseman, a, a Zaboro or whoever it might be mm -hmm. to be able to step into the lineup and not just play minutes, but significant minutes and impactful minutes. And I think that's one of the things they're hoping that Jim Montgomery can do with this group. You got to like AJ Grigg came into camp. You know, I know he's not a first year guy. He's been around a little bit, but he's still a young, inexperienced NHL player. Came into camp, 
had an awesome camp, made the team, and that's difficult to do. And now it's more difficult to stay there. But he's got three goals in the first four games. So that's a pretty good example of of what they're looking for to get from the new head coach. And now with this start of the season, the team did have a number of injuries. Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy. What was the message to the group when they began the season on how to adapt with that? I mean, obviously they're playing well on the ice now, so it, some things have to be working. Yeah, they believed in the depth that they had. They truly did. Um, you know, it's always difficult when a new coach comes in, a new message is being delivered. Uh, how's it going to be received? And how do we keep our heads above water for the first six to eight weeks of the season that we don't get too far behind? Uh, I think the schedule is favorable for Boston in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't play a ton of elite teams in the first month of October. Uh, it's home friendly. Uh, but the Bruins feel that with the return of Bergeron, with, with the return of David Krejci, with Charlie Coyle slotted in the third line center position, they like Thomas Nosek as the fourth line center. They feel like they have real... Uh, real strength, almost like a center pillar right down the center position. Each guy slotted where they should be, you know, even though Bergeron's, you know, beyond 35, as is Krejci, they're still very good players. You know, you look around the NHL, there's plenty of 35 plus players that are still highly productive and very important to their teams. And that's what's going on with Boston. So they had a belief that they had what they needed in the middle. They felt like that their top six could be real good with DeBrusque back in the fold and, and happy and, uh, motivated mm -hmm. and, you know, put the trade request, uh, you know, is no longer on the table. Right. Uh, they feel like Taylor Hall can live up to what the expectations of, you know, of, of what he should be. David Pasternak, one of the most dynamic players in the NHL, he will assault hopefully the 50 goal uh, plateau this year. Uh, uh, and they like the trade they made for Pavel Zaka. They feel like that kid is, is versatile. He can play center, can play left wing, he can play him with the Czech guys. Uh, he can play third line, left wing, whatever it may be. They felt like they had at least a top six, maybe a top seven. And hopefully that would make up for the loss of Brad Marchand up front. On the back end, a little bit more challenging. You know, they needed to get a lot more out of the, the guys that are in their 20s. Uh, that should be in the prime of their careers, like a Brandon Carlo. Unfortunately, Brandon Carlo got his bell rung again the other uh, the other game. I think it was game two of the regular season. He's been out of the lineup. That's a big loss for Boston. But Derek Fulbert, Connor Clifton, uh, they're playing you know third and fourth as far as depth shot minutes go on the blue line. That's not long-term success, but they've been very good. What are you going to get from Mike Riley? What are you going to get from Jake Zaboral? Uh, that's the most challenging part. But they mm -hmm. feel like they have quality goaltending, too. So strength down the middle, goaltending, that's what they believe would carry him in his first six weeks without some of their significant plays. And now getting David Krejci back this year on a one-year deal, one deal, it's felt very seamless, has it not? It has. It has. And I don't know what the long term is going to be. Uh, you know, the adjustments you have to make when you have to step back into the NHL schedule, but the mm -hmm. NHL schedule it is. Uh, you don't play a lot of three and fours with travel over in uh, in Europe. So that's going to be uh, a reacclimation for him. But he's been around enough and he's cerebral enough and he takes care of himself well enough that I don't see that as a major issue. Uh, he thinks the game so well. He 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 makes his wingers better players. He puts them in good positions, not only to to succeed, but to be able to score goals. Uh, and he's motivated. You know, he's got one more, you know. I don't know if this is his last year, but mm -hmm. a one-year deal, motivated, 
one more kick at the can with a guy like Bergeron. Um, you know, he has some personal, I won't say records, but personal statistics that matter to him as a lifelong Bruin. You know, 1,000 games, uh, X amount of points, where do I rank all time? Uh, but more importantly, he feels that by coming back to Boston with everybody healthy, that they can they can make a deep run when it comes to April, May, and June. And you talk about that core group that the team has. I mean, do you see this being, you know, kind of their final window in these next couple seasons, you know, to make that run because they have been together for so long and it seems that, you know, they're getting older. So where is that going to lead them? Yeah, I think that's the expectation Mm -hmm. that this is the final kick of the can with both Bergeron and Krejci, Uh, you know, beyond that, most of that, that great nucleus has moved on, you know, mm-hmm. Chukarask is retired, Char is retired, you know, people have left. Uh, Marshawn's going to be, you know, the next guy after Bergeron and Krejci, you know, Marshawn's what, 32, 33. So his career is moving along as well. So it's really what are the Bruins going to do? I think the expectation from the fan base was, uh, you know, that, that, that one last kick of the can wasn't worth it. You know, maybe we should go out and start making, you know, get into the to the serious trade market and start dealing people and let's start this rebuild or at least a rebuild on the fly because they they like some of their young talent. You know, they think Charlie McAvoy's an absolute stud, you mm-hmm. know. So um yeah, I, I, I would agree with that analysis or that assessment that this is the final kick at the can for players like Bergeron and and like Krejci, yeah. Now, with the Ducks coming to town, they're going to be seeing a familiar face in former teammate Hampus Lindholm. Now, since joining the Bruins, how much has he been a part and meant to the decor there? Well, I think everybody loved the acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, I think some uh, portion of the of Bruins nation was surprised at how quickly they signed a long-term contract and the money that they did. But I think they were excited about improving the team, uh, you know, a 51-win team. 100-plus points going into round one, even though they were the lowest seed against Carolina, they thought the addition of a Hampus Lindholm gave them a chance to at least advance to the second round, and then he got blown up on a hit behind the net in, mm-hmm. in the series against Carolina, so he was pretty much done for that series, as were the Bruins at that point, even though it went to seven. Uh, but I think they really like this kid, uh, you know, his ability to skate, his ability to move the puck. Uh, I think with McAvoy in the fold and now Lindholm in the fold, like what they thought they had in Carlo, they really like Grizzlick, even though he's small and he's had some injury history. I think they like that top four, but uh, I think with, even with Lindholm in the lineup and everything that he brings as far as his skill set, I think that's an area of their organization that needs a serious upgrade. You know, they got a kid in college that they really like playing at Ohio. Um, I don't know how far away he is, but other than that, you know, if you look down in Providence, they can call guys up and their stop gaps and their band-aids, but they really don't have, you know, what they probably need to be a Stanley cup contender on the blue line right now. Now the ducks have been on the road all week and I know the Bruins are coming off a road game on Tuesday, but they do have the day of rest today. What are you expecting to see in this matchup on Thursday night? Better checking from the Boston Bruins. Uh, I don't know how much game planning they'll do for Anaheim. Obviously they'll have to do some and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and enough, you know, there's enough offensive talent. They got some guys that can score some goals uh, they know where the holes are in the Ducks lineup, but I think it's more of an internal look, you know, given the way that they've played, 
you know, some of the mistakes that they had in games one, two, and three, even though they were all wins, as, as I said earlier, they kind of outscored those mistakes and, and got some key saves, particularly from Linus Olmark in both his starts. Uh, but they need to be so much better in their own zone. They need to be so much better in their decision-making on who to pick up and how to deny plays in center rice. They got to be so much better in establishing a floor check the way it's probably prop, properly uh, designed. You know, that's all defensive hockey and that needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. And I think early in the year, a lot of teams struggle with that. I don't make right. it doesn't make the Bruins, doesn't make the Bruins unique. But, you know, under Cassidy and, and certainly under Claude Julian, you know, for the last whatever, 15, 20 years, the Bruins have been always, you know, somewhere, certainly in the top 10, but top five defensive teams as far as goals against. And as much as you want to improve your offense and score goals and everybody loves that's the fun part of hockey. You still have to have that defensive foundation. And that's my ex- expectation from the Bruins, not only with Anaheim on Thursday, but Minnesota on Saturday. Now, Andy, I know you have a tea time coming up. Enjoy your day <laughs> off, and hopefully you have a good round today. Yeah, your golf season's a little better than mine <laughs> when it comes uh, for longevity, but uh, bad weather doesn't bother me. You know, I'm a Northeastern I grew up in Boston, so to me, this is beautiful golf weather here. You know, autumn in New England <laughs> is special for golf, so I appreciate you letting me play a little today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know how beautiful it can be there in the fall. Uh, but once you do come out here for another game this season, you know, you'll have to uh, hit the links out here. I would love that. I would love that. And uh, while I have you, how's my buddy Hazy doing? You know, we were in college <laughs> at the same time. He was at Cornell and I was at UNH and uh, we were actually on the same All-American team back in 82. So it's it's always good when I come out to Anaheim, be able to spend some time with him. Yeah, you'll get to see him uh, at the game. He's been great so far this season, enjoying. Uh, this is my first year with the Ducks, so it's been a little bit of an introductory so far in the last couple months, but uh, everyone's been super nice. Well, you sound like a 10-year veteran to me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, thanks for joining Light the Lamp today. Andy Brickley, enjoy the game tomorrow night. And like I said, enjoy your golf round. Thanks, Alexis. Awesome to hear from Andy Brickley ahead of the game against the Bruins. Now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the episode. And for today, if you've been on Twitter, you've seen where all of the NHL teams have put out a video about their reverse retro jerseys coming out with Adidas. Now I, for one, am very excited to see the Anaheim Ducks jersey, and you can look for that coming very soon. Thanks for listening to Light the Lamp. I'm Alexis Downey. Come back again for more hockey talk here on Duckstream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.